this series got started last week um, via video and um, I'm not sure who was here that um, caught it, but I just, uh, I suppose last week we, it was spoken about being stand, standing firm um, and it was interesting to see some of the things that played out this week. So maybe some of you have been following some news, but uh, this week... Um, Essendon Football Club basically appointed uh, a new CEO and 24 hours later, he resigned. And the reason he resigned was because he was part of a controversial church. When I first read that, I went, there are some churches out there that kind of go out on some fringes and, and, and there are churches over in America that they, they because it talks about holding venomous snakes, they, they have venomous snakes in church. I reckon if we had venomous snakes here in church, some of you wouldn't be here. Um, so I, I know some of you were like, would burn the church down. Like that's what would have happened. Even if people were in here, there's snakes in here, the church is going down as well. And so there are I will say there are some things that kind of go out on the edge in, in, in Christian circles. And so this phrase has been repeated that he was part of a controversial church all week. And, and, I, as I, and every time it gets mentioned, that phrase, controversial church. And so the wider sort of society is going, oh, these, this church is not like other churches. This church is, does something different and believes something different that's sort of so radical that they don't, they're not sort of fit for sort of public utterance. And when it sort of got mentioned, the two things that um, were controversial was that their church didn't believe in, in, in they believed that homosexuality is a sin. And they didn't agree with abortion. And when you look at the Bible, like you look at um, um, Psalm 139, it talks about God has formed us in the most inner being. So God starts his plan for our life even before we are born. God values our life even before we are born. And each one of us are here today because our parents didn't make that choice. Some of our parents wouldn't have even dreamed of making that choice. But basically, this world is saying that not only is that a, 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 an appropriate choice, it's, it's free to do so. It's, you, you, it's, it's, not, it's, it's like it's up to people to decide that for themselves and, and like it's, it's not a problem. And so those were the two things that this controversial church believed. Now, again, I know some churches who have gone very soft around some of these issues. But I would still say that a majority of churches still believe quite strongly on these issues. Why? Because it is so clearly in the Bible. It is so clearly, if we are Bible-believing Christians, that they are there. And so we have a world that is becoming apparently quite visible in its, I suppose, opposition of the Christian church. Just recently, um, um, well, it would have been a few, few months ago now, but uh, the Rugby League had, a, uh, a, one, had a, a pride round, which is basically celebrating homosexuality in, in, in your teams. And so they had a special jersey you needed to wear for that game. And part of their team, they had a number of Islander players who were Christians. They'd grown up as Christians and they did not want to celebrate that by wearing that, that, that um, jersey. Now, basically, a number of things happened with that. First of all, it became a huge media thing because everyone said, oh, they, are, they should be committed to their football club. Now, 
I'm not the biggest football fan in the world. I've probably got I've got less and less sort of enjoyable of football over the years, but like probably still watch the state of origin. So again, I'm not a football fanatic. That being said, football, if you're a player of football, you've probably got a good 10 years, maximum 15 years, that your body's going to be able to play that sport. If you believe in Jesus from the time you're a child, that is something that you hold on to for your life. And so the media was saying that you should choose your club over your faith. Your faith identifies who you are. Your club is something that you do. You should choose that over who you are. And what even made it more sort of noticeable was that at the same time as Christians were being pushed down in this situation, there was a Muslim lady who was part of the AFLW who actually made that same choice. And because Muslims are not on the radar of the media, uh, they are in fact celebrated because they're diverse and Christians are bad. She was allowed to step down for a round and she was respected for her choice. You see, you see the world is lining up to target us as Christians. And so it makes it even more important for us how we live, that we are consistent, that we are compassionate, that we are a light. Because our testimony of our lives becomes so much more important when we have media who will say all kinds of things about us. But Jesus said that would happen. He said that people would say all manner of things about you. He also said we will show that we are Christians by our love. And in fact, the non-Christians that I've built relationship with, it is because of who I am and the character I show and the things that I do. And even at times when, when we have formed a friendship, they might be things that they, don't, that they sort of agree with the world, but again, it doesn't end the friendship. Why? Because they have actually seen an opportunity the way I live. I've, I've remained consistent in doing that. And today we're going to be talking about being transformed, knowing that this is, is part of our world. And the thing is, this is Australia. When we look at Christianity over the, throughout the world, there are places in the world that Christianity is, is all but illegal. You think, no, that can't be true. No, there are Christians in jail. We, we, and and, this, and that's the thing. We, what you see the media trying to do with the way they're talking about the church in Australia, they're saying this is what the church should believe. Nothing outside. Not out, nothing outside this box. This is what the church should believe. They need to adopt our values. And so they're saying the church should be transformed by the world in which they live. And the Bible says something very different. It says, do not be conformed to the world, but to renew your mind. And so that's where we're going today. And I just thought it was very sort of, I suppose, obvious with, with those news stories in the past few weeks. Now, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. Um, and so some of you may fit into that category. Maybe some of you still remember a show called Transformers. Anyone here? And some of you are starting to sing the song in your head, like right now. Um, hopefully you get off that and you can come back to listening to me. But the thing is, in Transformers, the idea was there was a, a vehicle that would also transform into the robot. Now, some of you are hearing the movement as they... Or whatever that, but the thing is, you had... They could copy something. They could copy a car and then they would become that car and they could transform. Their arms would go. And, and I never had I, had... I had a number of brothers. And so 
to buy toys like that wasn't something we had. We'd go to friends' places that would have a broken transformer, and that became the cool toy while we're visiting at that place. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a bit of personal confession. Yes, I was I was traumatized as a kid for not having transformers. Okay, it did happen. Um, I'm still getting over it today. So okay, hecklers. Shh. But the thing is, in that show, um, and because there was even movies made about it in recent years, and there's probably even more movies coming out about it, I'm sure. Um, basically, the idea of the Transformer was to change from one thing into something else. And the point being that these once ordinary vehicles transformed into something that was truly extraordinary. And this is the thing. I believe that God desires the same work to happen in your life. Um, Many of us have been tempted to follow the patterns of the world or are still tempted to follow the patterns of the world. And they, they come across in different ways. Like, and I suppose this is probably just because we've spoken about it already this morning, is that sometimes we focus on the big sins or what we think are the big sins in, in church. And there's so many other things that we, then we sort of gloss over. That's not a problem. But there are things that the Bible talks about that, like greed. Like, and some greed is if you if you choose to work more for yourself and to get things for yourself. We we don't talk about that pride. We don't talk about pride because none of us none of us need to. We're all so humble, aren't we? And then, but as soon as someone disagrees with us, like they're wrong and we're right. Well, that's pride when we think we are right or our, what I want is best or like when even when what I want is more important than what God wants. That's real pride. So those things are about some of the patterns of the world because the world says to think about yourself above all others. Above all others. We're even seeing very explicit teaching to our kids today to saying you need to think about yourself all the time. I'm going, what's going to happen in future generations when we've got adults who are selfish little kids because that's what they're taught to be? We actually need to be taught how to, to share. We need to be taught how to do good things because we're naturally inclined to, to think for ourselves. And the world is in the habit of elevating those, those patterns. And so we need to be thinking about that. We can get caught up in sinful behavior that doesn't ultimately fulfill us. And I, that's, I don't know if you've ever realized, that's why sin is sometimes so hard to get rid of. Because in the moment, I suppose like things like alcohol and smoking and drugs, in that moment, there is a sense of thrill, a sense of, of something. And that moment lasts but a second, but a moment. And all of a sudden, you, you, you feel guilt, you feel regret, you feel all those other things. And so sin, if sin didn't feel good, if sin was like um, Brussels sprouts, we wouldn't be sinners, would we? Anyone here a Brussels sprout eater? Like, um, like okay, so... I. We'll give you counselling later on. But, but anyway, but the thing is, if Brussels sprouts were like sin, we wouldn't, except for a few people, there'd be very few sinners in the world. But the thing is, sin is not like Brussels sprouts. It's actually very attractive. It actually draws us in. 
And so we actually need to make sure that we're not influenced in such a way that we are conforming to those patterns around us. So this morning, Harry read from Romans 12. And and verse 2 actually said this. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, Looking at this verse, I'm going to pull a few points from this verse. And Paul gives us an equation, a mathematical equation. So for those who have been back at school for one week, you've got another day of school happening right now. A bit of math today. And um, so first there is subtraction, then there's addition, and finally an outcome. And I want to break this down together to find the keys to transformation in our lives. So point number one, this is the subtraction. We've got to say no to the world. The first thing Paul invites us to do is simply to say no to the patterns of this world. To say no to the things that are influencing us. To say no to to the sin that is big or small. To to actually make that choice. And I'm a firm believer that in everyone's life there is a rhythm of some kind. Some of us have healthy rhythms. For instance, we wake up each morning, drink our cup of coffee, spend some time with God in in His Word and in prayer, and then complete a morning workout before school. Some of you went, I get up in the morning. That was your habit out of that one. Some of you may go, I don't want to get up in the morning, but I have to. Like that's, That's as far as your habit goes. But thinking about that habit, like sometimes we can get into, we can have, make choices and develop habits in our life that, lead us astray. So for example, the habit of not getting enough sleep. And there are a number of reasons for this. Like, okay, when, when you're young, or say you get to an age where, especially now that technology is around, you can be distracted by devices, you can stay up all night playing computer games, and finally you crawl into bed and the alarm goes off in the morning. What happens in the morning? You are Tired. Some of you sound like you're tired right now. Like, um, so you are tired. Now, what, what's the impact of that? Well, every, everything else that day becomes hard. Because if you've had two hours sleep and you've been staring at a screen all day, everything else that day becomes hard. And so then your choice might be, well, I'm not going to do too much. So I'm going to go back to bed. I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to go to work. I'm, or I'm not going to do much today. I had all this stuff planned, but I'm going to catch up on some sleep so I can get back to playing that computer game again tonight. The thing is, it doesn't have to be computer games. Some of you have experienced when these little people come into your house called babies. And these little people, for some reason, don't believe in letting the adults sleep. And so all of a sudden, like, you get to the point where... you're struggling to function because I've been up two hours ago, I'm up again, I'm up again, and and all of a sudden you're just not functioning. And so getting getting out of your pyjamas is like an achievement sometimes on those days. Like I've won because I'm not, oh, I haven't actually changed my pyjama bottoms. Okay, halfway was fine. Like that's, that's seriously, but those habits then affect, they have an ongoing effect and when we allow things like sin to become a routine in our life, whether it is a pattern of the world which we are following, like um, we, we want to keep up with the Joneses and so all of a sudden we're investing all our effort into to getting more for ourselves, that, that choice 
all of a sudden that habit leads to other choices. If you choose to work 90 hours a week so that you can have more stuff, you don't have time for your family. You don't have time for church and building relationships there. You don't have time to be about God's work either. So everything we do has an impact. Now you can have good habits which affect you in the same way, but often we are tempted to follow and fall into those negative habits. In your life right now, maybe the first step towards transformation for you is some internal dialogue between you and your sinful habit. It's something that you actually need to address and saying, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Maybe it's actually to, and, and this is the thing, God knows you're doing it. Sometimes we've got to get to the point saying, God, hey, I know you're doing it. I want to say sorry for this. I want to stop doing this. And hey, God, can you help me with this? I, like, I think at times we just pretend that oh, no one else knows about it and it's not a too big a deal and it impacts us. It, th- those choices go on. And so we need to get to the point with God's help to say no. Many of us may have an unhealthy rhythm in our life right now because we have been, as Paul says, trying to copy the pay- behaviours and customers of this world. When we have a rhythm in our life, we will be in some form or fashion mirroring something. Either we mirror the world and its values or we mirror our God and his. And so we have received this initial subtraction that must take place. We say no. And that's what happened with the, the um, I can't remember his name, uh, Thornburn or something like that. The um, CEO, he sort of said, I had to make a choice. And he chose his faith over this position. And at times, we will be in that same boat where we will need to say, for the sake of my faith, for the sake of my walk with God, for my benefit as maturing as a believer, I need to say no to some of the things around me. But what do we add in its place? So we've subtracted. Now we're going to go to our addition. We need to say yes to the way. Well, and what do I mean by that? Well, once you are able to locate the worldly patterns you've been following, the space is then created for God's transforming work. So you take something else out of your life and you just don't sit there. You actually put something healthy back in. Jesus desires that we live a life that is constantly seeking to grow. Now, I brought something up on stage this morning. Now, who knows what this is? It is, it is Groot, so for those who watch Garden, it is Groot, but it is something else as well. It, yeah, it is a tree, but it's actually something that is useful right now. It's a pot plant. Now, do you notice anything absent from this pot plant? A plant. Now, can you guess why that is absent? <laughs> Hopefully that my, my wife's comment didn't get picked up in the recording, but um, no. It's probably a correct statement, but there's no plant because it wasn't watered and cared for enough. My wife's comment was because I'm lazy. That's probably why there was no water or care given to the plant. But it, it, it died. And, and so I've just left this on my, my... I've just left... Well, that becomes my decoration on my desk now rather than a plant. Even this, like, just a minor... I've actually bought a Lego plant to put on my desk now because I think I'll be able to keep it alive. Um, But the thing is, if there was a plant in this, I want you to use your imagination. If there was a plant in here right now and I put nice, fresh water in there, would that benefit it? 
Now, if I put other stuff in there, so like um, soft drink, do you think soft drink will benefit it? Probably not. Um, what about like tea? I, 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 don't, I don't know. But the thing is, they don't, they don't say like whatever liquid you can find. It says water. It actually needs something pure. It needs something that will sort of allow the plant to do what it does. It's, and again, planting seems to be a water, plant grows, sunlight, plant grows, and I can't seem to master those skills. But um, let's put him back here for now. But the thing is, in the same way, what happens is that we need to be making sure that we are feeding our lives with the things that we need. Um, in the same way, plants need water. They need water. Uh, in our Romans 12, 2 verse, Paul seems to be concerned with how we think. Our thought process is important when it comes to growth potential in the kingdom of God. And oftentimes, the temptation to follow worldly patterns and values begins with a thought. Now, what are some worldly patterns that you know of when it comes with the way that we think? What are some, some just as they come to mind, what are some worldly patterns when it, when it comes to the way that we think? Everyone else is doing it. That's a good one, yeah? Yeah, keeping up with the Joneses? Latest technology? Resentment? Oh, and the thing, that's probably a good one because we actually have a world that it doesn't take too much. And this has actually got into the church where we whinge very quickly. We, we do, don't we? And like, oh, look at, like, and it can be over anything. Like, and and some, some people are so good at that, they're waiting with bated breath for you to finish your whinge so they can outdo you with their whinge. Oh, you think you've had a tough day. Let me tell you about mine. I woke up at five minutes to six and then, and, and then they detail the day. How, and I'm going, when we live like that, are we ever grateful? Well, like if you are complaining about every single moment, my kids did this, my husband did this, my, my shower did this, my dog did this, my car did this, the guy in, the tr- in front of me did this, the lady in the shops did this. All of a sudden we get home and like, do you know what? We are miserable. But the Bible actually commands us to be thanksgiving, to be thankful, to give thanks for our day. And when we are in the pattern of joining with the world and complaining about everything, we complain about our politicians, we complain about this. And I'm not saying that we sort of put up with everything, but this is a thought process that has taken us over. And so all those ones that are mentioned, we we can get into a place where it's very easy to follow along with the world. So we actually, so Paul's concerned about with the way we think. But the same is true for the pattern Christ wants in our life. Spending time reading and studying the word of God will give us the right type of thought processes and help us respond well when we are confronted with worldly things. What is your go-to thought when things happen in your life? Is it things like something hard happens and I'm like, oh, I'm glad God is my strength. Oh, glad God is with me. God, give me strength. God, thank you for your grace. Oh, God, please forgive me. Are those your go-to things when things happen in your life? Because the more we read God's word, the more he fills us up and that becomes the go-to. And there are people... And, and these people have a, you would say they have a right to win, who are persecuted. 
who are persecuted in their lives. And the response is to thank God each day. God, thank you for giving me another day. My body is aching. God, thank you that I'm alive. Like, they, they, they're, they're just thankful. And, and sometimes, like, again, if you are on that border of whinging, you get around people like that and you go, oh, they just annoy you because they're so thankful for their lives and what God has done. And you just want to go, why can't you whinge like me? You're making me look bad. Now I'm whinging about you because you, you're making me look like a whinger. And I'm not a whinger. That's, that's how we feel. But we need to begin in the point where we are so filled with the presence of God and the instruction of God and the wisdom of God that when things like that happens, our mind has been renewed. And so all of a sudden, our go-to in life is to be thankful, is to seek God out, is to ask for God's help, is to ask other people to pray for you. Where does that fall in your line of things? Like when something happens in your life, how long down that chain do you ask someone to pray for you? Or do you pray yourself? Confession time, like sometimes prayer is not my first thing that I do. I try and fix it myself. I've broken it and then when I can't fix it myself, say, God, come on, come and come and help out. Like, I thought you'd just step in more automatically, but you're not doing that. God, I'm waiting to be invited. Sometimes then he provides a solution. It's like, God, have you got another solution? I don't like that solution. But, but the thing is, like, we need to get to the point where our mind is being renewed daily because we are filling up that space where we've rejected the world, we've, we've subtracted it from our lives, and we are flooding our lives with who God is. The Bible talks uh, about this concept in Psalm um, of chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who does not sit or does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. We don't do. We don't, we don't go along with the wicked. We don't go with the sinners. We don't go with the mockers. Instead, we fill our lives with God's word. So David, it was a, a walking and talking example of in the importance of meditating on God's word day and night. And God desires that we not just have the word near us. And, and it has become so easy for us today. Most of us have a Bible on our phone, on our tablet, it used to be most of our Bible on our coffee table. It might have been a bit dusty, but it was there. I could walk past the Bible and go, oh, the holiness is, is coming up to me from the... No, it doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work just because you've got an app on your phone. Your phone will be no more holy because you've got a Bible app on there. You will be holy by spending presence, by time in God's presence. The work of transformation will only be done when we allow God to do it. Maybe something needs to change in your morning or evening routines to allow God to trans you from the inside out. So sometimes there are practical things that we need to do to open up the floodgates for God to work in our lives. It might be a major habit that you need to change or a major sin that you need to get rid of. By doing this, you have moved worldly distractions out of the way and this allows God to come in and do a transforming work. The transformation begins in your mind. 
And Paul closed out Romans 12 too with an outcome once we take these steps towards transformation. So subtraction, addition, and he says this, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we get to the point where we are able to discern the purpose, the purpose of our day, our purpose of our life, the purpose of following God. We know even though Paul wrote this letter many years ago, it is amazing that God knew what we would need even now. There are many here today that have spent time searching tirelessly for their purpose in life. What am I meant to do with my life? What's life all about? And you've, people may have tried to find it in things of, of the world and figured out you couldn't. You've tried to find it in a relationship and figured out you couldn't do it there. You tried to find it by achieving a certain social media status and figure out you can't do it there. Christ is the only one who can give you meaning and purpose in your life. And he has called you to do great things for his kingdom here on earth. You have, gifted, you are, you have giftings and abilities that no one else has for the building up of the church. But I wonder why, how, I wonder how many of us have yet to sense a calling from God because we have allowed our unhealthy rhythms to distract us from our relationship with Him. We haven't been able to sense God's leading because we haven't spent time with Him. The good news is there is still time right now to rewire your life. The Bible is full of instances where God makes it clear that there is still time to give Him your life. Even the thief hanging on the cross next to Christ had time to receive eternal life. Joel 2.12 says, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. All the way back in Joel, the Lord invites us to give him our lives, run back to him in repentance. And Jesus Christ came to this very earth, was tempted by the same worldly things that you are tempted by, yet he did not sin. And ultimately, he died on a cross for our sins so that we could be transformed into walking, talking reflections of him. That's what we're being transformed into. You are not too far gone. You are not out of the game. And Christ wants you back. He has a seat for you at the table. It's not too late. In fact, as long as you have breath in your lungs, it is never too late to make a profession of faith. Whether that is a first-time commitment that you are making or whether it's saying, God, you know what? This time it is for real. I'm going to give up those things that keep taking me away from you and I'm going to follow after you. For some of you today, that will mean returning to a vibrant faith and relationship that you have allowed to grow cold. You have allowed the distractions of life to collide with your faith and you have felt distance from God for some time but you haven't mustered up the energy to do anything about it, well, today is your day. For some of you here, it will be a new step of faith into a relationship that you've heard others talk about. Are you you ready to own it for yourself? Are you ready to make a decision to say, God, I'm all in? Believe me when I say a life of faith is the most wild adventure you'll ever take. And so today becomes an opportunity to say, you know what? I want to be transformed. Now, to do that, we do need to do some reflection. We just don't go, yep, that's me, and we need to actually, what's the first thing we need to do? What do we need to subtract? We say, need to say no to the world. That's our subtraction. We need to get rid of that stuff, and all of a sudden, we've got space to let God to do some work. But then we've got to do something like that. We've got to say yes to God's way. 
we've got to then fill ourselves up with that. So if you don't do the first one, God, and you go, oh, I'm going to keep reading my Bible, but God won't have room for you to do anything in your life because you are still choosing the world around you over him. We need to make that space and then we need to let God and ask God to fill that space. And in that, we are transformed to know God's good and perfect and pleasing will. Well, wouldn't it be great? Like, okay, I know New Year's normally when we do this, we, oh yeah, God, this is going to be my year for you. I'm going to follow you. Let's not wait. That's, that's months away. Let's not wait for that. Let's go, well, God, how about I get a running start into the new year? How about I make a choice now to be someone who is transformed by you? And in so doing, let God move in me and then move through me that it may even impact others. That's what, that's what I want for my life. I want my life not only to be changed by God, but because of God's mighty work in me, that others might be changed as well. That becomes the outflowing of us being transformed. We can't contain it in our lives. And again, we may come up against some brick walls, but Jesus faced brick walls. One of them was death, and he conquered it, and we're on his team. So let's be transformed. Let's not live in a way where we are just like the world in which we are called to be different from. Let's take some time to pray. Lord, I just thank you today for the opportunity to become more like you. It's right there in front of us. You have provided a way for us to, to walk with you, to know you. But Lord, for some of us here, we are in a place where we are so full of, of the worldly patterns in our life. It might be sin, it might be attitudes, it might be the way that we think, it might be the things that we do, Lord. And God, you are saying some of that stuff, maybe all of that stuff you want gone. And as you clear that up, as we give that up and over to you, all of a sudden you have space to come in and work. And today, Lord, I do want us to invite you in to be present and, and for us to engage with you through your word and through prayer and to let you and your spirit come into our lives and start doing the work of transformation in our lives. And in so doing, Lord, I pray that we would know your will in our lives, whether it's how we parent, how we, we love in our marriage, the, the jobs that you call us to do, the ministries that you call us to be a part of. I pray that we would know your purpose. And Lord, I, I invite you to start that work today. I, I, I challenge us to do it today, Lord, not to wait for a, another opportune moment, not, not to wait to a time where, where life has settled down. Like right now, Lord, may we subtract and add so that we can get the sum that you want for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. 